Welcome to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger. Redraft ends, but Dynasty is life. And I'm really excited today to be joined by Jeff Bell. Jeff works at Football Guys. Uh, Jeff is, you know, handling a ton of Dynasty content over there. Uh, if you watched a couple of weeks ago, I had Alfredo Brown here on Dynasty Life. I've had Jordan McNamara on my shows. I've had Sigmund Bloom on my shows. I mean, we've had a, a, a large contingent of Football Guys people but I have never had a chance to podcast with Jeff. And it's unfortunate because Jeff is a guy who I really respect his dynasty takes. He's a fantastic follow on Twitter, and I enjoy his content over at Football Guys. Jeff, welcome to Dynasty Life. Why don't you let everybody know what you're dropping uh, this time of year in terms of content and where they can find your work? Well, Theo, so much. thank you so much for that entry. That was very kind, and um, I can say I feel the same way about you. I was thrilled when you reached out to be able to go on the show, and you knocked down all the, the great heavy hitters we have over at Football Guys, and all those guys do fantastic work. Um, so right now, I am working on uh, the Football Guys Rookie Guide. We have nice. the Football Guys Rookie Guide um, kind of right down the pipe. It's it's um, imminent and so we we're trying to get that completed i'm i'm told you pre-show i'm about 55 wide receivers deep or so right now and so um i'm i'm very very in the weeds on rookie content trying to plow through um getting eyes on those doing scouting reports for every player figuring out uh in-depth rankings working out tiers all those types of things so it's very much uh, early rookie season and, and really diving into that yeah, it's funny. You bring up like the rookie guides. We put one out at Player Profiler, and it's like it's right around the corner. Uh, you know, before you know it, it's going to be the NFL Combine, and then after that, you're like revising things. But we just had the Senior Bowl. We're going to dive into a lot of stuff with this class. We're going to talk about the power of establishing tiers and how that can help you as a dynasty manager when you're attacking these sort of things like our rookie drafts. And actually, you know, tiers. The concept of tiers can actually really help you in your dynasty startups as well. Uh, but before we dive into the 2024 class and look at it from like a bird's eye view, I want to take a look back at the 2023 season because Jeff, you guys have a team over at Football Guys. You're putting a ton of work. I don't even want to think about how many hours collectively you guys put in in the summertime heading into the season, but we all get things right and we all get things wrong. Who was a player that maybe this year you or the staff was bullish on heading into the year, but ended up being a big disappointment in Dynasty? And I ask this question to everybody because in, in my redraft shows as well. But Jeff, when we make a mistake in Dynasty, you can feel it for years and years. Who was the guy that kind of fell into that line for you? Sky Moore uh, burnt me two years in a row. You know, I, I was really buying into a lot of the reporting around the Chiefs was essentially they, they kind of forgave his first year in saying that they had him learning all three positions in the wide receiver room in that that Chiefs offense. And so a lot of the uh, preseason, there was a lot of talk about him being on like not coming off the field, essentially, and moving throughout formation, seeing heavy usage there. And uh, that didn't materialize. And so it was even one of those things that um, you had the opportunity to get out after a disappointing rookie season, but you heard all the things that you really wanted to hear. But then that sophomore season was even worse, probably, than that rookie season. And now with the emergence of Rasheed Rice, the way that they're potentially stacking up in free agency, obviously playing in the Super Bowl, now you really feel like you've got a dead asset there in Sky Moore. Sky Moore, that one was, uh, I, I remember a few years back, I was on a, a live podcast and I took James Cook ahead of Sky Moore in a rookie draft 
like a mock rookie draft and and I was like lambasted by like three people. Yeah. So it's like, you know, things change. And I think that the, a big lesson with Sky Moore, a lot of times I think we elevate because of landing spot and we sort of do it a little bit subconsciously. And there were some things about Sky Moore's profile that we all liked, but when he landed with Patrick Mahomes, it sort of was like a rocket ship up. Do you feel like that's a lesson learned or was this sort of kind of a one-off when taking a look back at Sky Moore? I lean towards one-off just because I think that last year coming out of it, we really used that as a lesson learned and that caused Rasheed Rice to be faded pretty hard. And so it was, there was a major course overcorrection with Rasheed Rice. And now we saw the second half of this season, we saw obviously Puka Nakua breaking those rookie records. But if you look at Rasheed Rice from the middle of the season on, he was right there in line production wise with Puka Nakua. And had he not had a slower start to begin the, the year, he could have been chasing those rookie records as as well and so i hesitate to say that's a lesson learned because like i said it, we thought we had learned a lesson and then we found out no they actually do need a receiver that they can go to over and over and and use in that offense and she rice was that guy and so i think it's I, i'm very hesitant to say that you should fade guys in good offenses i, I just don't yeah. know that that's kind of the right mindset to have on that and i i do think that it went way hard in the one direction and, you know, some of like putting the pieces together, you saw Tyree kill removed from that offense. You saw sky more inserted in there and kind of at a lower level, but even maybe even a more impactful level, AJ Brown and, and trail on Burks was a little bit of a similar situation there where you saw the elite fantasy producer removed from that Titans offense. You saw them draft tra trail on Burks. And a lot of people use that as kind of steam to push him up to the top of their ranks. And so I think it's just interesting. It's, it's a little bit caution buyer beware potentially, you know, don't kind of power through maybe what you're seeing in a profile or, or things like that just because of a landing spot. But I am hesitant to say that you should fade a player that you think landed in a good landing spot. That's a great, great point, Jeff. Um, you know, and again, here at Dynasty Life, I try to bring in guests who are extremely sharp in the Dynasty field, and you definitely hit hit it to the nail on the head with that one. But one thing that that we're also going to consider is before we get your your positive surprise, not to get like too galaxy brained here, but you bring up like landing spots. The the thing you hit on here is it's profile, really, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Like if we love the profile, like you're seeing people who want to, you know, consider landing spot with a couple of these really high-end wide receivers in this unbelievable 2024 class should should we really just kind of lock in our heels and it's profile 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 and then landing spot can only kind of improve the situation because you bring up a guy like aj brown like nobody loved that landing spot but the the eventually you see the start seeing the 17 plus point per game seasons dk metcalf no one loved the landing spot. He was a great, you know, value in rookie drafts. You bring up Rishi Rice. I mean, it happens every year where, excuse me, not Rishi Rice, but the other two guys. You, you see it every year where guys will beat up a, a player because of the landing spot. But we have to remember that coaching changes happen in the NFL. Offensive coordinator situations happen in the NFL. Changes happen in the NFL. And certainly quarterback position changes can elevate guys as well. Would you take a little bit from that as well, Jeff? 
I think that's fair. I think that one of the biggest takeaways is just understanding the fluidity of the NFL. And and so we, we call it the not for long league, but I think that a lot of times what people tend to do is look historically at one, the way one team is moved, but you'll one coaching change, one quarterback change, and that changes the entire conversation on things. And so I think that having that lens to understand that situations can change you're exactly right on and buying into that talent, especially I think it's really just apt on wide receivers is is where it's really big and buying those guys that fit in that profile. But it's interesting because like Jackson Smith and Jigba, that that I think that that's a profile that you buy in on and you see when he's been on the field that production has been there, but there's been a visceral reaction on his his rookie season output when we really should have expected that that there was not a single thing that happened that was unexpected with jackson smith and jigba and even to a greater extent you look at quentin johnston with the chargers and people are just leaving him for dead and so but looking into that you knew he was going to be a raw prospect and you knew that his path to utility was smaller and having Keenan Allen there, having Mike Williams there, and even having Josh Palmer there. I think that it's it's one of those that reacting too hard off one season is is maybe a good lesson to take in as well. But also recognizing if something didn't happen, did not happen, and is this time to get out? And I think that is the overarching lesson on Sky Moore of understanding, well, why didn't that, that happen? And I think that there are things that when you watch him, he's – Patrick Mahomes is missing him by a couple yards here and there. And Patrick Mahomes is not the type of guy that that's missing a guy frequently, which starts to tell me that Sky Moore is just not where he's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, we'll always have that, that, that touchdown catch in the Super Bowl, Jeff, that'll never get away that's from right. him. Um, but, you know, it's not all disappointments. You know, who was a guy that, that was one of the biggest positive surprises for you and Puka Nakua, you're never allowed to answer that one because that's everybody's answer. But besides Puka, who's a guy that you were just really impressed with, either in their usage, the talent they flashed, the ADP, if they were an ADP beater, anything you want to take with this one, something that was a positive for you in 2023? I think the Texans offense as a whole, but really Nico Collins was a major p- positive in that. And I think that when you were talking about profiles and when you looked at him, you looked at, I think Gabe Davis was probably a fair comparison as a guy that was just be attacking vertically downfield, a boom bust type player, not able to see that volume because he didn't see that at Michigan. And he didn't see that his first two years in the league, but really took a major step forward and showed that, yes, he is that vertical threat. He can win downfield, but also you can use him underneath. You can treat him as that number one primary wide receiver. And so to have that guy that, that really kind of enforces that, these third year breakouts still happen. It's still players do still get better situations do still improve. And so you going from a situation where he was really hung up with Davis mills or whatever else was going on there at quarterback, you see the insertion of CJ Stroud into that offense, the arrival of Bobby Slowick, the arrival of tank Dell as well. And to see him elevate quite a bit. And so that, that is one that um, people didn't want to buy in. Like I, and I had him, I, I got saved from in some instances of people not wanting to buy in because I'm the type that I do like to capitalize on that hype a little bit. That's being generated. That might be a little bit false hope, but because I couldn't get a fair good deal on him now, his value has gone up so much and, and oh, I didn't come off my rosters. Nico Collins is now like a one, two turn pick in the yeah. early underdog drafts. Jeff, between Nico Collins and Tank Dell, 
who would you rather roster on your dynasty rosters? They, I have Collins slightly above Tank Dell. Um, I think that it's kind of splitting hairs maybe a little bit. And maybe you like to step into that security of Tank Dell having a little bit more on his contract play, being there with CJ Stroud. Um, but I, I think that they're pretty similar in a similar age range. And I think the range of outcomes is pretty similar with them. And I'm probably going to default despite the way the league is moving towards these smaller, quicker players, a guy that still has that, uh, you know, X wide receiver, that number one profile um, build to him. And, and sh- we've seen that production out of it is still the direction that I'm going to, to going to default. Yeah. It's just wild times with Nico Collins. He's an absolute rocket ship. A year ago, if I told you Nico Collins would be getting drafted ahead of T Higgins and DK Metcalf on underdog, you would have told me I was crazy, but we're, we're here. Uh, it certainly helps when uh, he's got a quarterback like CJ Stroud, but now let's dive in a little bit into this 2024 class. I think that the enthusiasm that we're seeing for this rookie class is at like a fever pitch where we always get sort of a uh, rookie excitement, but for February, early February to have this sort of excitement, uh, it's, it's getting to uh, like really, really high levels. When you take a look at this class versus the 2023 class and 2022 class, which had countless players that are still helping our dynasty rosters and helped our dynasty rosters win as rookies. Where would you rank this class just as a collective? It's above those two. And I think that when you look at 22, because if you remember back, that 21 class was absolutely fantastic. And even the 20 class was fantastic. We're, we've just got a great run of rookie classes. But I do think that 22 class coming And then also looking forward to having Bijan Robinson coming up in the next class and then having some of the other players that would also be coming. I think 22 was a little bit of muted excitement. And then even 23, when 23 got there, we started to look forward and seeing, okay, well, there's also Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. And Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't exactly what we thought he was going to be. And Caleb Williams is next year. And we don't really have, um, you know, some of these other ancillary pieces. And maybe we don't really buy into Bryce Young or CJ Stroud the way that we buy into Caleb Williams. And so that kind of brought a little bit more of excitement off of that 23 class. Whereas in 22, we had been waiting, bated breath for it. But I think it's also ample. Because that 25 class, there's there's certainly going to be some good players. A guy like Luther Burden, wide receiver from Missouri, is going to emerge. And a couple other players are definitely going to emerge. But it's just not going to be at the fever pitch where you're seeing an elite-level wide receiver, an elite-level quarterback, an elite-level tight end, not to mention the depth at each of those positions as well. Yeah, I think that the general, like people ask, you know, 2025, if I could summarize 2025 in like two sentences – Quarterback is worse, running back is better. Fairly simple approach if you're if you're trying to have like a a, a long term view of 2024 picks versus 2025 picks. Um, but you know this we talk about the running backs, and we talked a little bit in the pre show about your running back rankings, and I want to dive into some of those guys. But do you think that we're reaching a point where there's so many people in the dynasty community have beat up this running back class? and said that this is the year you don't want to take a running back, this running back class is so bad, that it's going to get to a point where these guys are going to provide can, can, going to provide real value to our dynasty rosters. I mean, right now, my best advice to people has been accumulate those second-round picks because you're going to be able to pick off pretty much any of the running backs you like in the second round. 
Would you agree that this running back class is getting a little bit beat up in the community? It's not quite as bad as people say, or are you on that? It's just a bad running back class. There are going to be fantasy contributors in this class, and there are going to be good fantasy contributors in this class. I mean, you flash back to two years ago. Nobody at this point in time was talking about Isaiah Pacheco. Now he's leading the Chiefs into the Super Bowl. And even a guy like James Cook in that class, people were off of him, even at, especially at this time, people were really off of him. And so I think that there are players that situationally are going to increase in value. You're not going to see a player probably I don't know that you're going to see a player in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, but that doesn't mean that there are not talented players that can contribute in fantasy situations. But I think it's interesting because the conversation is so swayed towards this is a terrible class. You cannot get a running back out of this, but at the same time, what do we like to, we like to be right. We like to play scout. We like to think that we can beat the field and we, and what is happening is without that consensus running back at the top or consensus couple of running backs at the top, you're starting to see kind of everybody have their own running back one. And I think that you're starting to see some conversations of um, people putting Blake Corum at the 110 because they're sure he's going to be a charger. And you're seeing, you know, Braylon Allen is a player you asked me about, or you're seeing maybe Marshawn Lloyd or maybe Trey Benson. And, and so everybody's kind of having their own RB one. And they think that they're going to, that they're essentially, we, we think that we're the smartest guys in the room sometimes when it comes to things like that. And so, it's like a little bit of a double-edged sword where there's definitely depth and value in this class and you will get contributors, but some of the top end, whatever somebody's top end might be is being pushed up a little bit higher because uh, again, we think we're going to beat the market on that. No, I, I love it. And I, I love that you brought up the, the 2022 class because last year we had like nine of the top 24, eight of the top 24 PPR finishes at the running back position come from that class and certainly, like, after Ken Walker's combine, and, you know, the steam was head in there, but the combine kind of settled where he was going. Brees Hall and Ken Walker, there was a ton of enthusiasm, but people saw, like, an incredible drop-off. And you bring up Pacheco. Uh, you brought up James Cook. But certainly Rashad White has provided, provided huge yes. value for our teams. Then you had guys like Jerome Ford. Jalen Warren, Brian Robinson. I mean, nobody was excited to draft him in rookie drafts, and he certainly helped you last year. So I think that there's a lot of guys that kind of fit that bill, certainly. Um, Let's uh, talk about that running back class because you have – you know what? We're actually going to save this. Let's take a quick break because Jeff has a running back one in this class where he's definitely flag planting, a guy that most people don't have in – I would say Jeff in their top two or three – at the running back spot, and you're flag planning him as your running back one. We're going to dive into the running back position, and then we're going to start talking about some of these tiers at the other positions when we come back on Dynasty Life. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo 
Rival Fantasy is reminding me how much fun I can have with fantasy football and use that promo code PLAYER. The promo code is PLAYER. They give you a $100 instant deposit match plus $25 plus a free play. That promo code is PLAYER for up to $125 in deposit bonus and a free play. You can't beat it. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger with Jeff Bell of Football Guys. Jeff, we just had the Senior Bowl, and your running back one in this class had a heck of a Senior Bowl week. Why don't you talk about him and why he's your number one running back in this 2024 class? Yeah, right now, and I should say with the greatest abundance of caution, as I just said, we believe too much in our own abilities. Um, my running back one is going to be probably whoever lands in the best spot. And and that's just fair. Say that that's because, fair in this class. Um, that's, yeah. You, you know, and, and that's just the way that running back works. I think that last year when you, you got, you know, Charbonnet and some of these other guys that you were, Kendry Miller that you're excited about, and then they just kind of get tanked out of the landing spot. Um, you have to adjust the landing spot, I think, with running backs now, the the way that we're seeing this go. But um, right now, talent-wise, I've got Marshawn Lloyd as my running back one from USC. And he we talked pre-show, you asked me if that was because of the senior bowl, and, and really it wasn't. It was a player that he flashed a three-down skill set, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that I'm going to be looking at when I'm evaluating a running back or where to place them as a player that I believe can contribute on all three downs that doesn't need to come off the field. He wasn't used as much at USC as he probably should have been, and it was probably to their detriment. And, and he's a player that I think he can handle quite a bit more volume than what he was given at USC. He's showing great creative creativity. He's got the explosion in the open field. He can hit home runs. And so that's why I've got Marshawn Lloyd as my, as my running back one, a player that I believe can be a three-down back. No, I, I love it. And interesting fact, played it to Matha high school rival of Gonzaga and Caleb Williams, uh, but but went from South Carolina to USC, which we really appreciate because it's USC, USC. But I think that I agree with you. I think he actually projects as a guy who can catch the football. Uh, he's got the size. And I love the fact that he wasn't like driven into the ground. Like I think that you know you get a lot of these guys coming into the league uh, who have received so much volume in college where none of his seasons were incredibly you know voluminous. And he had... I believe it was like, like less than 125 carries every single season in college. So he's definitely an interesting one. Uh, you kind of revealed a few of your other running backs you're into in this class. Who are your current top four? Yeah, so I've got Trey Benson from Florida State as my running back, too. I think that's another player that he has the ability to to pound inside, but also I think he can be used in the passing game. Jalen Wright at Tennessee is a little bit of a freak athlete wasn't able to show off at the senior bowl his high level traits but i think he'll be a guy that will get a lot of eyes on him in, in the combine but i do believe that's another player that has that home run ability and can contribute on third downs and then jonathan brooks is, from texas is the other one that um if it weren't for the acl injury he probably would be even higher than that but you gotta pump the brakes maybe just a little bit given that how grouped everything is and and so kind of working off that time frame where he's going to come back where he's going to end up and so that that's kind of and i'll even go to five bucky irving is my running yeah. back five and so um and, and again i'm just looking for these guys that contribute on passing downs because we see it over and over again the amount of value that you can add if you can contribute on passing downs as a running back in terms of fantasy, that is just huge. And so that's where I'm going. I've got five guys there that I do believe can contribute on those passing downs and can also be players that can carry quite a bit of a load in offense. 
So I love the Bucky Irving call. I think he's the next of these like 190 pound running backs that everybody gets excited about, especially after this season when we had like four of them uh, producing at a big time level. But two guys who are absent from your top four, you're in Big Ten country, Jeff, you're in Ohio, and you're leaving off Braylon Allen and you're leaving off Blake Corm, which are two guys that are a little bit polarizing. I have both of those guys in my top four. Uh, Braylon Allen showed a little bit of improvement this year as a receiver, caught 28 passes. He's young. Uh, you know, certainly he's a bull uh, who looks like he can handle some volume. What What's holding you back on, on Allen before we get to Corum? Biggest thing is, is um, I don't know that he, one, he hasn't gotten better, I think, in three years. I think he's kind of been that same player, and I think he's relied on tells me that he's relied on his physical traits maybe a little bit too much relative to as a being a player that's always been bigger stronger faster than the players that he's going against and that's not going to be the case necessarily at the nfl level um in you know i kind of you you mentioned catching but that is a massive caveat in that because they they were not using him down the field at all as a receiver it was was like manu manufactured it was very receiving, it was a yeah. two yard dump off by Tanner Mordecai, whose head was swimming in that offense all year long. And there was, it was a lot of those types of things that, that look good as compiled at, at the end of the season, but not something that um, w- at least when I'm looking that can be involved in the passing game, like uh, James Cook was a guy that stood out to me in college because you'd see these wheel routes working downfield where he's bringing a linebacker, getting a linebacker in conflict, able to catch the ball over his shoulder. Those types of things are things that I think translate to having top level receiving skills. And I don't see any of that in Braylon Allen's game. And so I'm a little bit hesitant on seeing him being a multiple down back. And again, just, it's just, he doesn't run with the way that you think he should given all the things that are involved in it. He's not blowing up players. He's really struggled against um, when he played Michigan, when he played Penn state, he had a big long run at the very end of an Ohio state game that made the stats look better there, but he really struggled when stepping up in competition level throughout his career. And he had kind of had some feasts on some lower, lower level opponents. Well, one, one player who certainly had a year and was thought of as a guy who might've been an early entry last year, bet on himself, came back to school, and that's Blake Corum. Doesn't crack your top five, big-time producer, and it seems like he could get the draft capital. What's your hesitation with Blake Corum? Is it the lack of uh, receiving work? Um, I think he didn't show the same level of explosion athleticism this past year as he did from two years ago coming off that injury that he had to end the 2022 season. I mean, that was part of it. I think when you watch him, he just wasn't the same player as 22. I think size wise, um, he's certainly big enough now in the, the modern NFL to stand up, but yes, there was not any involvement in the passing game. Just the Michigan offense didn't feature that skill set. Uh, a guy that I like that is similar skill set that I have, and and I don't hate these guys. Like these guys are are right on the fringe of like my next group there. It's just I don't see the three down skill set, whereas I see that with some of the other players. But I really like Audric Estime from yes. Notre Dame. And so he's he's similar age range as Braylon Allen. And he came in as a big time recruit, had a really quiet freshman year. It really, really came in this past year. And that's a guy that I think that when you look at Allen. It's kind of like one of those things that I think some people like estimate is like the player that I think some people think Allen is and Allen's kind of maybe the player that some people think estimate is estimate has the most rushing touchdowns of any Notre Dame fighting Irish player in history in a single season. It's kind of a wild stat. 
Um, yeah. And yeah, I like I like him as well. And I think he could also he also is like a home run hitter at that size. Um, I don't know what he's going to run the 40 in, but he hit a couple of like high miles per hours this year. Yeah, Definitely plays fast in pads. Definitely an interesting one to look at. But we can't sit here completely fixated at the running back position. Want to cover a couple of these other uh, other uh, players. So let's uh, talk about, you know, the basically there right now, there seems to be a cutoff for a lot of analysts when it comes to super flex. Would you argue uh, against the fact that it seems like there's a top seven that's pretty set in stone. And then there's uh, you know, a difficulty in picking the one Oh eight right now. A lot of people seem to have the big three wide receivers of uh, the big three quarterbacks and Brock Bowers sort of in their own little seven. Would you agree on that, Jeff? I would probably push back on that a little bit. Um, and, and I talked about it. We have the dynasty show for this past, for this week, we did a mock draft in that for football guys. And, and we talked about it in that show that um, I think that two players, I think Troy Franklin and I think Brian Thomas are, I would argue that they are closer to Roma Dunze than Roma Dunze is to Malik neighbors. Um, so I'll, I'll just kind of say it that way. I think that they are players that um, Troy Franklin in particular, if he shows at the combine, what his tape looks like, I think that he's going to be a player that's going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL draft and really close on a doomsday and maybe even go off the board before a doomsday in the NFL draft. And so I, I think that that expands that tier. And then Thomas is again, another player that um, just has a very, very high level skill set that I push it probably. And you'll see if we talk about tiers, I'll, I'll, say that i think that those guys are probably more in the dunes tier than dunes again is, is closer to neighbors i love the troy franklin call that's my wide receiver four and thomas is my wide receiver five franklin is super interesting because i think he's gonna fly in the 40 yeah and he's an elite deep threat he's one of these low bmi guys you brought up tank dell early in the show these guys these low bmi guys that the nfl has been betting on have all been coming in and producing right away whether it's devonta smith Jordan Addison, Tank Dell, not really a big, uh, you know, he's a third round pick, but the other two went solely in the first round. If you're super skinny and they're betting on you in the first round, it's usually a, a pretty good sign these days. And Brian Thomas, I love that you bring him up. We talk about like a classic big X receiver, probably the quietest 17 touchdown uh, season yeah. in history uh, for Brian Thomas. I, I love those two. So when you get to a single QB, uh, you know, who would be, Let's say that your top three are neighbors, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Bowers. Is Adunze still currently your 104? I've got him neck and neck with Franklin. He is slightly above in my rankings. Some of that is kind of that nod to the value that you're going to see there and able to reap there. I mean, I, I definitely would love to tear down one spot. If somebody tells me that they've got Undunze far ahead of Franklin and will give me some value to take a step back, I would love to do that. Um, but they're very, very close in my books. Uh, but I do would have put Roma Dunze there. Um, and then Caleb Williams kind of enters that conversation, I think, pretty quickly once you get – out, outside of there and, and some of it's maybe team structure where you're sitting in a one quarterback but at the same time I think that there's if you want to capitalize on the hype that's around him and especially if he delivers on that especially after seeing Bryce Young how much disappointment there was off of him last year I think we we see with CJ Stroud how quickly even guys that we like can increase value once they show it on an NFL field and so I think Caleb Williams even in one quarterback can carry a lot of value and be able to create increase on that value. Yeah. I love that Jeff, because I think there's always sort of a, a game of chicken in single QB leagues 
where people don't want to take the quarterback. It seems like it's a kind of a square thing to do when there's value at, at wide receiver or or running back or tight end for that matter. But at the end of the day, as soon as they flash, they gain value in dynasty, even in single. And a guy like Caleb Williams has the ability to put up multiple top five seasons for you overall at the quarterback position. So I think using that sort of high draft capital makes total sense. I think there'll be a little bit more clarity. Right now, there's kind of like a, a prospect fatigue thing with him. Some people don't like the emotion. Anytime you post something about him on Twitter, somebody's like, you know, showing the picture of him crying. I don't know about you, Jeff, but in my my fantasy leagues, we don't lose points if a guy cries at the end of the game. So uh, I'm not too worried about that one. Um, there's an, a couple of other uh, polarizing questions right now. The tight end position, Brock Bowers is your your number one. We'll dive into him. Every, everybody, if anybody says Brock Bowers is not my number one tight end in the class, guys, just just turn off the uh, the podcast. It's over. But what are your thoughts on Jatavian Sanders? The athleticism definitely stands out on tape when you watch him. Um, the other things stand out on tape too. Uh, um, I don't know that he can block me and you, to be honest with you. Um, so I think that that's, I worry about getting into a situation where you're going to see a situational usage player that, especially at a position that is very important, can, can contribute in the blocking and as well as the receiving. And so it, like I know we flashed back a couple of years ago and my podcast co-host Christian Williams has brought this up a couple of times, but there was a lot of steam on um, Brevin Jordan coming in as a rookie. And so that's a player that even when he's been able to get on the field, like that explosion shows up, he makes a big play here and there. And, and if you want to play that prop and hit on it, you, you hit on it probably more often than what you realize. But at the same time, you, you cannot put him anywhere near a fantasy lineup. And even when we've seen Dalton Schultz out of the lineup, he's not really contributed there. And so that's my concern on Sanders is that um, there has to be dedicated schematic usage to really capture him. And I'm, I'm concerned that the NFL might see that because I think that there's some other tight ends that do have that, that can contribute in the receiving game and be really star blockers in this class that um, I, the way it sits right now and the way that some people are talking about, especially relative to Brock Bowers, um, I think that people are going to be a little bit surprised maybe how the league views Sanders potentially relative to some of these other tight ends that a little are a little bit more well-rounded. Really, uh, you know, depressing for you to bring up Brevin Jordan with the uh, Jatavian Sanders hive. They're not going to like that, Jeff. No, and they, I'll say that like I remember, I remember the entire Pat, Patrick Fryermuth versus Brevin Jordan was like a, you know, that was like a one month of, of heated debates. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it was Kyle Pitts and then trying to figure out tight end too. But yeah, Brevin Jordan, what a disappointing one for sure. Is there another tight end in this class that you are intrigued by or is it kind of a handful of guys vying? Quick uh, thoughts on Theo Johnson and Jaheim Bell, who both had, you know, positive weeks last week at the Senior Bowl. Johnson, you bring up a guy who, you know, athletic can block. I mean, truly athletic. And Jaheim Bell is more of a situational pass catcher, smaller guy. So a very, very opposite type prospects in terms of their profile. Your thoughts on either of them? I think Theo Johnson, again, a player that I mentioned can contribute in, in blocking and in the passing game. I think Jared Wiley, I have Jared Wiley above Jaheim Bell. I think Jared Wiley is an interesting, interesting prospect. Started out at Texas, kind of Sanders maybe edged him out a little bit there, but um, was a major contributor to TCU's passing offense. And that's a player that can block as well. Um, 
you know, Bell, the explosion is definitely there, but just kind of like we, the way we talk with Sanders until we really see these guys, like we've been begging for Johnu Smith to be this player in an NFL offense that we never really got there. And, and I think until we really see that guy, that, that position essentially be created in an NFL field, I'm going to carry a healthy level of skepticism the way that an offensive coordinator is going to view these guys. I think it's there. And especially the way, the way that we're seeing more, trending towards 13 personnel usage or two tight ends being on the field at the same time. Uh, those types of things, I think, open up the game potentially for that. But um, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. Yeah, no, I think that's Wiley's definitely an interesting one because he's got the size. It'll be interesting to see how he tests. But, um, you know, this is uh, I love it because the tight end position in this class, again, it will have a lot more clarity after we yeah. get through the combine. And then certainly the NFL draft will tell us a lot. Uh, but yeah, the Sanders Brevin Jordan one, I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night thinking about that one, Jeff. Um, let's, uh, let's dive a little bit into the quarterback position. How, you know, we talked about Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is a guy we both love. Um, is this your clear QB one or are you one of the try want to try to stand for, for Drake may or Jaden Daniels? No, I'm definitely Caleb quarterback one comfortably yeah um, and i think that that'll you'll see that play out i'm a little bit i i have daniels above drake may and I, especially for the game that we're trying to play i think daniels is comfortably above drake may given what we've seen a player like it's not a great one for one comparison but at the same time you see anthony richardson or even justin fields the way they've been able to contribute in fantasy and be those starters i think may's got athleticism but i don't know that i see the rushing translating in his game I, I look at a guy like Justin Herbert or maybe a young Ben Roethlisberger that had mobility to be able to make plays, but weren't necessarily util, utilizing that. Whereas Daniels, I think could be a guy that is rushing for 60, 70 yards a game. If he's in there as, and as long as the NFL tells us they're close, I'm a little bit, I don't know. I would be surprised if may doesn't go number two in the NFL draft or Daniels even doesn't go number two in the NFL draft, but it does start to seem a little bit like we're hearing some steam on some other guys that might be moving up there. And that I know I saw something the other day and take it for a massive grain of salt, but somebody was saying that Drake may was going to go eighth in the draft. And so I think that that's something that is, would be surprising, but at the same time, it clearly points to Caleb Williams being the number one quarterback. Yeah. I think it just comes down to, do NFL teams view Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors as guys that they simply must have? And then also there's a couple of offensive tackles yep. that I think that these NFL teams might say, you know, we view these offensive tackles as can't miss guys that we are going to pass up, you know, pass, you know, quarterbacks or these wide receivers for. Any way you cut it, it's going to be a really fun NFL draft for us because you're going to have so many offensive players selecting that top 10. Uh, but Let's stick with with Jaden Daniels. I, I love your point on that because I think there's a lot of talk about Drake May's ability as a as a rusher, but we need to have an offensive coordinator that that kind of dives into that and believes in him in that role. Whereas Jaden Daniels, if you squint hard enough, you kind of see Lamar Jackson traits. Is that I like his his level of ceiling as a runner? 
Yeah, as a runner, for sure. I think that putting him on on par with Lamar Jackson or with Justin Fields, I mentioned him and the way that he's able to, especially the speed translating. I mean, Daniels, you see Daniels on SEC field. That speed is very, very evident. And you see how many times that he, he will erase an angle that a defensive back might have on him. And, and I think that I think he's still running through the Florida secondary right now. And, and so I think that the, some of these games that he was able to put up were huge. Yeah, I think he might be in the four fours. I think that there's you yeah. you always have to take that with a grain of salt, but the LSU people say he's in the four fours and he looks like he's a four four guy. So that'll be super exciting. How about when you get down to that next group of quarterbacks, the Bo Nixes, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr. Uh certainly a couple of guys. Spencer Rattler had a nice uh senior bowl. You know, there's we don't need to go too deep here, but who would be your your current quarterback for? the guy that you would want to bet on from like this next group in my ranks. I have JJ McCarthy as quarterback four, and I have Bo Nix very close to him. I have a decent amount of separation after those two. I think what we're hearing right now, um, I think Penix Penix going into that Michigan game had everything in front of him. And had he gone out there against Michigan and really lit it up the way that he can be capable of, I think we, there would be a different conversation around him really struggled in that game, really especially struggled with pressure. That showed up at the Senior Bowl, and that's become a massive red flag for him. Pair that with the medicals, and I think the medicals are a red flag for him as well. And so I think that he's going to fall back maybe a little bit from the pack. But I do think Knicks and J.D. McCarthy are, are right there in the next group. Interesting one, and and I agree with you. That's how we had it at Player Profiler with, with Penix as six. But we had it flipped around with, with Knicks and McCarthy one thing on McCarthy is extremely young. Uh, I, I feel like he's a guy that NFL teams are going to want to sit for a year. 20 years old, he'll be a 21-year-old rookie. Certainly, we saw Anthony Richardson get on the field at 21. McCarthy's a little, a little different. He wasn't really asked to do much at Michigan. Has the physical tools. Uh, what is your thoughts on kind of like the patience level of taking him in, in, your, in your Superflex Dynasty League? Are you really looking at him as a guy that you're going to have to sit on for a year? Is that how you're viewing it as well? Yeah, I think that's my expectation. I think a, maybe a good comparison would be Jordan Love, the way that kind of had to sit on Jordan Love for a couple of years, and then you finally get him in there and, and he shows. And really that is a bet on probably traits and high end. I think I think J.J. McCarthy's high end is a little bit higher than maybe Bo Nix's high end, whereas I think Bo Nix, I'm definitely more confident that he's going to become it, able to come in and be an NFL starting quarterback immediately, given the experience that he has. I think he's got better athleticism than maybe some people realize, and I think that when you see him, the processing, he he's very good at getting the ball in guys' hands that are able to create. Down the field, he misses – quite a bit and so that's going to be a little bit of a concern but the nfl has kind of legislated a little bit out of that game the way we're seeing two high safeties and those types of things eliminating the deep game so kind of it's not the worst thing in the world we got a guy playing in the super bowl that might not be the worst thing in the world to have a somewhat athletic quarterback that can make the right reads very quickly yeah no that's a that's a great point and bo Nix, again 23 years old incredibly productive player i mean talk about breaking marcus Mariota's records for every single season record, nothing wrong with that. And uh, uh, effective runner as well. Like Bo Nix, like put the tape in guys, like he's very effective running the football, especially around the goal line. Uh, so I'm, I'm into Bo Nix, uh, interesting one, but you know, there's a player in this, this class. We don't really need to like dive into him too much. Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, I mean, you're down there in Ohio. This is a, I don't want to say generational, but we're talking about Calvin Johnson 
AJ Green, uh, Julio Jones, like in the same breath kind of guy. Pick your elite wide receiver and you can make a case for Marvin Harrison Jr. being right there. Is there a case for you, Jeff, in a super flex league to take him over Caleb Williams? Or are you going to let the the power of the position kind of sway that decision and make the correct choice and go with quarterback? I mean, I would it would have to be very situational for me to pivot to put Marvin Harrison Jr. number one above Caleb Williams. I think still think I'm going to go with Caleb Williams at number one. Um, I mean, there's certainly if Caleb Williams lands somewhere that we just hate and Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow is playing with Justin Herbert or another high level quarterback, then uh, that argument starts to get real hot. But right now, this this early, I'm still going to put Caleb Williams there at one, uh, absent some very rare circumstances. Okay, so let's go down the list uh, one spot. You brought up the fact that Jaden Daniels is a quarterback that you view as top five potential in the NFL in terms of with his rushing ability. You're still taking Marvin Harrison Jr. as your 102, or are you going to – you are. Okay, so we're right there. Um, I'm with you. I think that it's – for me, Marvin Harrison Jr. is either my 101 or my 102 – right there with Caleb Williams. I think it really becomes roster dependent, becomes league dependent. If you can pivot down from the 101 to the 102 and still get Marvin Harrison Jr., I think that's a a great way to go about it. But those are the two truly elite guys. And then Drake May would be your 104 in this situation, Jeff? Uh, I right now in my ranks, I have Malik Neighbors above Drake May. So I've got Neighbors as my 104 and I've got May as my 105. Okay, let's expand on on neighbors. This is a guy that I had Jax Falcone um, of the on the undroppables and the undrafted Scott Bollinger, great guy, great show, and we did a mock draft between the the twenty twenty three class and twenty twenty four class, and he has Malik Neighbors ahead of Bijan Robinson in terms of his dynasty impact, which was a huge flag plant for him. Um, but Malik Neighbors, the more and more you watch him, like I keep wanting to move him up our dynasty rankings even more and more. Uh, landing spot like averse he's just fantastic it's about as strong a position in single QB leagues for to be in if you're holding the 102 as I can remember he's almost a a can't miss guy kind of share your thoughts on him and his potential uh, in the league just the high level explosion. I mean, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me on tape. And it's one of those things that um, he doesn't look to be the most technical proficient receiver because he doesn't have to be. It's like the dude almost teleports. So he can get from one place to another and the way that he's able to stop start the way that he's able to instantly uh, get up to speed and, and all those types of things. I think he profiles very, very well towards the modern NFL towards what you're looking for as a player that can you can feed those 12 targets a game to right now and get him in creative situations get the ball quickly to him or allow him to stretch the field and attack vert- vertically he can do all of those things and so um, I said a month ago on our show that I think that when it comes down to fantasy points he's going to be a lot closer to Marvin Harrison Jr. than what people realize and, and it's I mean, it could even flip very quickly in terms of fantasy points just because I think he's got the game that profiles maybe a little bit better to the modern NFL than what Marvin Harrison potentially does. No, I love it. And I've said the same thing in an article that I like. I have Harrison Jr. clearly at the top, but there's plenty of scenarios where Malik Neighbors five years from now has more collective fantasy points. Uh, You're talking about a guy who I think could be 20 plus points per game 
uh, as well as Marvin Harrison Jr. in a regular PPR league. Uh, and Jeff, you know, like I hate to put people in the spot with comparisons. I think sometimes it gets a little cheap. Um, but Malik Neighbors, he's a tough guy for me to find like an exact comparison. You kind of see a little bit of Brandon Ayuk, kind of see a little DJ Moore, a little Stefan Diggs. He's just so versatile. And then you bring up the explosiveness. Is there a veteran, uh, you know, current player or former player that you kind of see with neighbors, or is he sort of a unique talent? Tory Holt is my comparison for Malik neighbors. Uh, so that that's the way back machine. But um, especially when you look at Tory hole at NC state, there are similar levels of explosion that you're seeing there as a player that can attack at all levels. And so um, that was, that's my comp for neighbors. Yeah. And shout out to our millennial listeners. If Jeff just uh, confused you pop in the tape, Tory Holt, fantastic player for the Rams. Uh, that's a great one, Jeff. You're going, you're going deep with that one. I love that. That was very well thought out especially on the fly guys that's no show sheet just shows jeff's uh, intense knowledge on this class but uh we'll, well let's dive in before we dive into tears brock bowers brock bowers you know is one of the best tight end prospects if not the best that we've seen last year we saw sam laporta finish as tight end one overall in a lot of scoring formats and you know did it as a rookie so the steam is there like it was already going to be there for brock bowers now you're seeing the incredible enthusiasm in early redraft rankings, in early best ball rankings, and in Dynasty, he's about as insulated as it gets. Where are you on Bowers, and where do you think he should be in terms of the Dynasty rankings? Like, where are you guys going to put him at football, guys, uh, in terms of the overall rankings? Because for me, I, I've got him in the top three already for my Dynasty rankings. Who are, who are your other two? I Sam am Laporta, on Sam obviously. Laporta and then any day of the week, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's probably a McBride and I'm still a Mark Andrews guy. So that's kind of yeah. like my, my tier right there. I think Travis Kelsey is going to retire. He's too old. Kincaid. I'm a big fan of, I'm always standing for Kincaid, but I think he sort of lacks a little bit compared to those, those guys. Um, so I, I think Bowers tight end two probably in dynasty makes sense. It's hard. It would be really hard for me to have him leap Laporta. But, hey, we're talking about a guy who's going to get drafted in the top five, who checks off all of the boxes, but Laporta has proved it on an NFL field. I think that's the biggest difference maker for me. I, I agree, and I have Laporta above him, but I think it's it's interesting and it's illustrative on the conversation around the tight end position in general because um, Travis Kelsey is obviously pulled back into the pack, and and I think that when you look at tight end scoring, um, I said the other day how tight end one – was closer to tight end 13 this year than tight end one was closer to tight end four last year. And and that tells you how much the position has kind of evened out. And so in super in, in tight end premium leagues, I think there's certainly value there given the ability to use them in a flex. But when you're in one start one tight end types of leagues right now, I don't know that the value of what we've traditionally placed on the tight end one overall in dynasty carries with Laporta the way that it potentially does on, on some other players. And so that's my hesitation on getting too excited about anybody that said, 
I do think Bowers has the potential ceiling, but we need to see a landing spot on there that will help him deliver on that ceiling to be able to achieve that. That is the one thing that, um, you know, I think that, I mean, when you look at historic player progression, you think that Sam Laporta will continue to get better and grow into that potentially. But I look at a Detroit offense that I'm thrilled that they got Ben Johnson back, but is he going to be there long-term? You got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got, I think Jameson Williams is still going to be a contributor. You got Jameer Gibbs. And so part of me wonders is have we already seen the ceiling on Sam Laporta and does he have that ceiling to be that difference maker the way that Travis Kelsey was for the position for so long. And so if he's not going to be that guy way out in front of everybody else in the field, and if I can just grab David Njoku or Jake Ferguson or whoever and get 98% of what the tight end one is going to give me, um, is that value really there in the position? I think that's a a great point because I think Laporta is going to reach certain, you know, capped target ceiling uh, in that offense. I think that that's, that's the problem with him. He's a guy who's a, you know, a weapon of mass destruction in terms of his ability to find the end zone, but we don't really see him being more than 125 target guy. And that's, you know, probably a, a good scenario. You know, he could potentially be a 105 target guy uh, if, a, if another receiver takes a step forward. And yeah. the thing of the, about the Lions is Jameer Gibbs was not peppered with targets this year. If I told you before the season last year, Jeff, that Jameer Gibbs is going to have 52 receptions, where does he finish in PPR? We all would have probably said like running back 26. Uh, you know, this was this was a, a surprise, the lack of targets and use in the passing game. So he could potentially blow up next year in year two when they have a little bit more, you know, trust in him in, in every single way at the gate. So that's an interesting one to bring up with Laporta. But Bowers is certainly special. Uh, you know, if we if we just looked at Bowers as a wide receiver prospect and not a tight end, looking when he broke out at Georgia, his skill set, his athleticism, I think people would still be super, super excited about him. So definitely, definitely one, uh, definitely one that we're, 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 we're into and we're kind of on the same page with, but let's go ahead and, and break it down. Uh, you know, we're nearing an hour mark here on dynasty life. We said, we're going to talk some tiers. Let's break them down for everybody. Let's start out with your tier one. Uh, the, the guys at the very top of your tier and super flex and I'll drop mine. Yeah, so Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison are my tier one. So Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, uh, that's tier one for me. I'm I'm going to go the exact same way. I'm going to go Caleb and Marvin Harrison Jr., but I'm going to I'll keep it spicy. I'm going to go Marvin Harrison Jr. at the top, and I'm going to go Caleb at at number two, uh, just to be a little bit different there. But you know, it, again, it's it's roster dependent. But I would love to walk away with as much Marvin Harrison Jr. as possible this rookie draft season. Uh, tier two, Jeff. Tier two, Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors is my tier two. Okay, so we're leaving leaving May out of that one. Okay, so I'm going to go, for me, I'm going to go Drake May, I'm going to go Neighbors, and I'm going to go Daniels. So I, my tier two is going to be one player larger than Jeff's. So why don't you go ahead and, and do your uh, your next tier? So Drake May and break and block or I'm sorry, Brock Bowers. I can say his name correctly. Brock Bowers are, are my tier three there. I'm kind of grouping those guys a little bit. The positional scarcity scarcity for Bowers, the upside there it kind of puts him similar to May for me. And I'm gonna go ahead and do Bowers and I'm gonna put Roma Dunze in there. And I think for a Dunze, I see a Dunze getting that elite draft capital. I see him as a as a versatile player. I think there's 
like Troy Franklin is going to have to thread the needle in order to get into that into that range of the draft where I think there's several scenarios where a cascade effect could happen where if we see Marvin Harrison Jr. selected in like the top four, Malik Neighbors goes right after, I think that Roma Dunze could fall into that top 10. I think that, that that's kind of where I'm flag planting it. Um, and I'm, I'm also into a Dunze. He's got the track background. He's got the size. Uh, so I think I'm a little bit more bullish on a Dunze than you are. So right now, to, to recap, Jeff has three separate tiers, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors, and then Drake May and Brock Bowers. And for me, my tier one is Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams, Drake May, Malik Neighbors, and Jaden Daniels. I have a sort of a three-player second tier, and then a Brock Bowers and Roma Dunze. So for um, for for mine, you know, you're looking to get into that. Do what you can to get into the to the top seven in your superflex leagues. But for Jeff to be on the safe side, you want to get into that top six. And Jeff, are you okay overpaying to get into that top six? Um, I don't know that I would overpay right now. It, I mean, relative to 107, depending on what the prices are. But it, you're exactly right. I do want to get in there and do what I can to get in there. So it, I guess overpay in terms of what a trade calculator later says or overpay in terms of kind of what has to get the deal done. There's two different conversations. Just there. get get it done. Get your guy and you'll be a lot happier with the way this rookie draft lands out. So let's keep it going, Jeff. You're at you're at six players deep. You're three tiers deep. Who would be in your next tier of players? So I'm going to group together and and Adunze, the scenario that you laid out, him being a top ten pick and and everything translating there, he certainly can separate himself. But um, right now, I've got Roma Dunze, Troy Franklin, and then Brian Thomas grouped together in kind of my tiers. So my tier kind of goes to 109, where I feel really good at. Uh, and I think that that's an area that between the 108 and the 109 right now, and the way the conversation is, the way that people are set in that 107, um, like I said, I do think there's real scenarios where that expands or maybe Troy Franklin moves up there or whatever. But uh, I think that that 109 is where you want to be inside. So for me, I'm going to have a two, a two player tier and it's going to be Franklin and Thomas. I want to push a running back in here, but I think it's incorrect until we have further information and those two wide receivers I just feel really strongly about. There's a few other wide receivers I really, really like. But I think when it comes down to it, Franklin and Thomas are going to have that draft capital. I think they're going to be early contributors. Uh, you know, I, I want to have as much as possible. And I think that if there was no neighbors or Harrison Jr., I think, again, like Brian Thomas, Jeff described him you know, earlier in the show, I think the enthusiasm for him would be even stronger if his teammate wasn't in this draft. So we're we're you're at you're at nine players, okay. Yep. So how how about the next tier? I've got six players in the next tier. I've got JJ McCarthy, him to be a first round pick. Got Xavier Worthy, the wide receiver from Texas. Got Adani Mitchell, the wide receiver from Texas. I've got Lad McConkey, the wide receiver from Georgia. Roman Wilson, the wide receiver from Michigan, and then Bo Nix, the quarterback from Oregon, are my next tier. So let's let's quickly discuss uh, Roman Wilson. Yeah. Roman Wilson, we talked about Nico Collins. Is this the next like, you know, Harbaugh didn't you know overly use them guy at Michigan that comes into the league and makes a big uh, big contribution right away? 
Yeah, I absolutely believe it. I mean, the speed is evident. I think that when you watch the the games, it's that offense just didn't need to use him at all. But I think the toughness is there. He showed out at the senior bowl, showed quick separation. Those skills are there. That was my biggest question coming in because I had no questions about the tie, the top end speed or the physicality showing up that he's willing to play with. But the way that he separated at the senior bowl, I mean, you see, you can see the clips out there that he, he made one move and he's off the line and the defensive backs gone where relative to some of these other receivers are shuffling their feet three or four times trying to, to switch up that defender he'd give you that one little side juke and he's seven yards past you and so I think that that translates really well and I think he's a guy that um, right now I mean I saw I believe it was Lance Zerline had him in, as going to the Chiefs as in the first round of his mock draft that he just came out with today there's Michigan people that say he was a 4-3-7-40 guy as a high school senior coming into Michigan and uh, there's there's rumors that some of his athletic testing traits are going to be like records at the combine, like sh- the shuttle and a few other other things. Like they have uh, certain strength numbers at Michigan, where I believe he's had one of the records for their plyo stairs. They have these famous stairs at Michigan, which are like three times as high stairs as like in your home, and they do all sorts of crazy testing on that. And Wilson absolutely ripped it up. And you think about all the athletes coming out of Michigan. Uh, definitely a, a player that's risen a ton. Love your McConkie call. I'm not quite there yet. I think for me, my next tier would be four players. It's Bo Nix, Adonai Mitchell, and then Xavier Worthy. And then I'm throwing Braylon Allen in there because I'm I'm going to take a bullish approach on him. I think some team is going to use the draft capital on him. And I view him as a guy that can step right in. So we're button heads a little bit on that one, Jeff. So if he goes at the at the beginning of the third, end of the second, I'm going to shoot you a DM. And if he goes in the fifth round, you shoot me one uh, when it comes to NFL draft day. But this was absolutely a lot of fun. Uh, Jeff, uh, your takes were awesome. I love your tears. I'm going to reiterate your tears one more time for anybody listening on a podcast. Jeff has Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. in his, in his top tier. Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors in his tier two. Drake May and Brock Bowers in his tier three. Roma Dunze, Troy Franklin, and Brian Thomas in his tier four. And then his tier five was J.J. McCarthy, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Lad McConkey, and Roman Wilson. I got all those guys in the final tier. You, you threw me for a loop Bo Nix in there. Bo oh, Nix Bo, in there too. So. Excuse me. Excuse me on that one. Bo Nix. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't want to forget Bo Nix in that one. But Jeff, this was awesome. Let everybody know where they can find your work. First off, thank you again. And, and I really enjoyed it. You're exactly right. This was a great use of time. And, and thank you so much for the invitation. Find me with Football Guys. You can find me, everything coming up there. I mean, do the Dynasty show with Football Guys, the DFS show with Football Guys. I do a Sunday morning start sit. And then we do the Audible Live with Matt Waldman on Thursday nights. I do that show as well. And so you can find me there on the audio side or the video side. And then, um, in terms of written content, we have the Football Guys Rookie Guide coming out. That's going to be the biggest thing, hitting all kinds of articles throughout the offseason. It's dynasty season, and so trying to feed out as many articles as I possibly can, and, and that's one of the things I do love is writing. And then you can find me on Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. Yeah, and Jeff's a fantastic Twitter follow. His, his writing is strong. His podcasts are great. Highly recommend his work. Stick with us here at Dynasty Life all offseason long. We're going to have some of the sharpest minds in Dynasty right here Uh, And if you want to see my wide receiver rankings, I just dropped my top 10 2024 rookie class wide receiver rankings at playerprofiler.com. Jeff, thanks again, and everybody have a great rest of your week.
Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.